by No One's Demand but our own and from our home office here in beautiful, sunny, scenic quarantine, Elizabeth Park, Nashville, Tennessee. It is the 615 Sessions podcast powered by Tennessee Tickets, brought to you as always by A to Z Sports and A to Z Sports Nashville.com. Allie Column, Braden Gall, college football conversation ahead for you, given a number of positive tests that have taken place in the athletes returning to campuses, particularly in the SEC. We have Mike Gundy takes to discuss and quarterback situations for the Tennessee Volunteers and Alabama Crimson Tide, which players we are most excited to see whenever it is that they take the field in 2020. We'll wrap it up with five good minutes on the idea that the NFL cannot be played unless it is in a quarantine bubble, according to Dr. Tony Fauci. That news came out later on Thursday. All of this ahead for you on today's 615 Sessions. Back here, 615 Sessions podcast powered by Tennessee Tickets. A to Z Sports, A to Z Sports, Nashville.com. Friends returning to the podcast, Braden Gall and Ali Collum, kind enough to give us some time on this Wednesday as we're recording it. But for your ears and YouTube viewers on Thursday, friends, it's good to see you. Ali, it's been too long. Last time you were here in studio and we were shit talking Brent about Tennessee. Way too long. <laughs> Braden, uh, we have much to discuss in the world of college football, which is why both of you are here. We need both the perspective of, of hardened uh, media member and bammer in this conversation. <laughs> we need both of these opinions in the mix. You, you can't have a college football conversation without a bammer. That's just part and parcel of the last 15 years of the game. So, What's the license plate say? Alabama. That's right. That's where we are. That's 1,000% the case. Okay. We are going to talk about Alabama and other college football programs, particularly in the SEC, who have allowed their student-athletes back onto campus. The positive COVID-19 tests have begun. We're going to talk about college football season, what the threshold should be for these kinds of tests, and whether any of us would be comfortable going to a college football game. Allie has Mike uh, Gundy takes that we have to get off her chest because she's ready to go and talking about the crazy mulleted man down there at Oklahoma State. Uh, and also face swaps uh, with SEC head coaches as women. Much, much important uh, topics of discussion for today's podcast. So let's start, let's start with the good stuff, though, or depending on how – let's start with the progress that we have with actual college football. SEC athletes were allowed back onto campus on June 8th. We have seen several schools, including Allie's Crimson Tide, come up with positive tests. Your initial reaction to the students being back on campuses, back in workout facilities, and now the positive tests start popping up. What did you make, Allie, when you saw this come across your timeline? I honestly figure there would be positive tests. I feel like the more testing that's going on, the more people have it. Um, and I think there are more forms, you know, than the super urgent, like whatever going on. Um, 
I expect there to be more people than I think we had five test positive. Correct. Um, and you know, I guess they're following all the guidelines that they can follow. And if we want to have a football season, I feel like you have to get the kids in there at some point. Um, and I mean, they have great medical care, so it might be better for some of them to be there getting that medical care. Um, it's tricky. I don't even know where I would start with, you know, games. Um, I know there have been a lot of different talks between um, athletic directors and even Alabama opens with USC. And my first thing was when California announced that they have another three month quarantine, I was like, oh, my God, football season. <laughs> and then I remembered that they were a private university. But then I think, OK, you can have the game, but are we not going to have fans? Because I, I feel like NFL can function a little better without fans. Like they would be able to have a season without fans. College football, not so much. Braden, the positive tests were going to be a given. Like this was going yeah. to happen as soon as as soon as they got back to campus. It's just whether they're showing symptoms. How how much can they contain the spread? within the athletes actually being back. But, for example, Alabama, Nick Saban, 68. How do you get uh, little Nicky around all these, all these disease-ridden millennials that are COVID-19 <laughs> positive? Can you risk the great one? Well, and I'm, yeah, of course. The, the fastest way to get people to buy in, in the state of Alabama that COVID's a real thing is telling them that there's a risk that Nick Saban might catch it. Um, you, know, I saw, you know, listen, Birmingham, Tuscaloosa, uh, Decatur – all these places in Alabama are seeing big rises. But, again, that's not new. I mean, that's, that's across the country. I think the most interesting development in all of this are these sort of waiver. They're not really waivers. They're like pseudo waivers that, that coaches and programs and athletic directors are asking their players to sign. Like, I will act like a volunteer. I will act like a, you know, an Oklahoma Sooner or whatever. And, and I'm, I'm just not sure where, that, where the legal ramifications fall from, like, a liability standpoint. Like, if I'm a parent – and, again, I've said this to you before, Buck. Like, if I'm a parent – and my kid tests positive, you know, to Ali's point, there, there could be in much better hands and much better situation, but not everybody. And so who, who knows how parents feel about all this and the difference between the professionals and the, the collegiate athletes are collective bargaining power. The, the, the pro guys have collective bargaining power that says, here's what we're going to deal with. Here's the, the procedures. Here's the, the cost. Here's X, Y, and Z. And it's all laid out in a contract. And that's just, none of that exists in college football. And so I think the good news for people is, People in the SEC care so much about their football and other places too. But I get asked all the time, like, what happens? Are we not going to have football? And I go, no, that, that's never going to happen. Like, even if it costs you a couple million bucks or a couple hundred million bucks, Alabama fans will make sure that Alabama football is still a thing forever. It's never going to change. That's the same for LSU and Florida and Tennessee and Georgia. So, uh, you know, it may look a little different this year, but it, I still have faith that there's going to be some semblance of football on, on a field in some capacity. The question is, how safe is it? Is there liability? Are parents involved? You know, how much does it cost? There's a lot of things that go into that. Allie, you go to these games religiously throughout the course of the season, whether it's the playoff games that Alabama was making, not most recently, but that's okay. <laughs> Uh, all, all, but the, it's, it's a tried and true tradition for SEC fans, as Braden's talking about, you're going to support these teams. And it's really not the power five that people are concerned about, but how, how safe do you need to feel, I guess, to be comfortable going to an Alabama football game in the fall, if they're even allowed? I mean, for me, 
I have parents that are like mid 50. So when this started, my whole fear was bringing something to them. And I was actually quarantined with them the whole time. But I was like, you're not going to the grocery store at first. You're not doing anything. Um, I, I would not be worried going to a game, but I would be worried about like who I would give it to that, you know, is not a younger, healthy person. And, and it's happening to younger, healthy people that, you know, shocking things are happening. But I think with being back in Nashville, I've been to some restaurants and, um, you know, socialized a little bit, but taking the temperature is now a normal thing. Wearing a mask is a normal thing. Some places, I feel like those are the things that they'll have to implement. Um, if you're going to have that many people, because there have been talks of, are you going to give season ticket holders the first go? If you're not going to have a full, stadium how are you going to regulate that people are going to get Is it a lottery how do you how do you decide who gets to go and who doesn't I mean, I like, money, like money folks money folks it's an easy answer whoever has the most money will get in that's it <laughs> one thousand percent like the students i'm like man how do you tell what half of them they can't go in the student section well, very easily, they have decidedly less money than everybody else who's trying to attend these games. Yeah, but sure. uh, your point is well taken. Braden, what do you need to know about college football's plan to return from coronavirus to make you comfortable with the idea of fans being there? That, that there's a plan. Um, there's a lot of places in this country I know that have no plan, and it feels like that's the areas where I'm most concerned. And oh, I think baseball. even – even to yeah, even to to Ali, what you were saying about being around Nashville and just like there are certain places right now that like my wife and I would feel comfortable going because we know the people that either run the establishment or we sort of know where they stand on everything and how they've handled it, the people that work there and how they've handled it. And there's certain places I would go, and then there's certain places I just am not going to get food from because I just don't. I know that they're not handling it or taking it seriously at least. And so I think it depends on. You know, and I don't think in the SEC in particular or anywhere in college football, you're going to have some guidelines, right, where Greg Sankey is going to send down on, from on high protocols and each organization and university is going to have to probably follow some basic level of, of implementation of protocol. And I, I would be prepared for 60 or 70% of stadiums to be empty. Like, I, I wouldn't be shocked if we're, you know, if Bryant Denny's got, you know, 30,000 people in it for a, for a home game or Neyland Stadium has 30,000 people in it for a home game. Um, and also depends on what happens between now and then, like if cases continue to go up across the country, but we learn more about it, you know, it just, it just depends on what, what happens. I think we're in a sort of a wait and see mode as we have been this whole time. But I, I want to know if I'm going to a game again, to, to your point, Ali, like I've got in-laws who are, are immunocompromised and I'm not worried about myself, even though you guys both probably think I'm ancient, I'm not worried about myself, but like I'm not worried about my two kids either. And, and I'm not worried about my wife, but I'm worried about my, her parents for sure. And if we happen to, you know, come in contact with somebody. Um, so I think it's all about how it looks and feels. And if people are taking it seriously, like I don't want to go to Florida right now. <laughs> like I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to Florida, like where people are just running around, like nothing's happening. And so again, there's a balance. This is the whole, the whole thing has been a balance between taking it seriously and being smart, not overreacting, but, but also, like wearing, like you said, Ali, wearing masks works. We've learned that it works. It's one of the few things we've learned. And so if everyone has to wear a mask to be in the stands, okay, that makes me feel a little bit better. Ali, I saw you visibly cringe at the idea of 30,000 people in Bryant-Denny Stadium. <laughs> I mean, if we, have, if we have to do it, we have to do it. I just want a season. But I am glad that we're kind of doing a wait and see thing because I guess 
maybe it was Oklahoma or I can't remember exactly where decided they weren't doing anything through September. And it was like May when they decided that. And I was like, wait a minute, this is changing daily. We don't know, you know, what's going to happen. Uh, so I'm, I am glad it's kind of a wait and see issue. Yeah, uh, that's that's the best that we can do at this point. Let's talk about actual football because Braden, last time you were here, we didn't talk really about actual football. It's about constant things happening in society that directly affect our sports. But I think now is the time to discuss what may lie ahead on the field, whether there's fans or not. So I saw that Alabama picked up its third ESPN 300 recruit today. It's a wide receiver, Christian Leary, who the Tide has recently acquired. Tennessee is beating the brakes off of everybody in the midst of a global pandemic when it comes to recruiting in a way that Alabama fans probably a little salty about. They're starting to lose recruiting battles to Big Orange. This is obviously in reference to the 2021 recruiting class and future programs uh, or future efforts that these programs are making to build. But, Ali, you see Jeremy Pruitt uh, out here scooping you guys in a lot of instances with the, the level of talent they've been able to add. Do, do you have mixed emotions about your boy? I mean, we talked about Jeremy Pruitt last time, I, and I said I was expecting this from him. I'm not shocked one bit, and um, I would like for the third weekend in October to get a little spicier these days. So <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sad about it. I'm not worried. Proud of Jeremy Pruitt, but Alabama's going to keep doing our thing. So, Braden, is this is this actually tangible? Like what what they're doing? It's so early in this process that they the biggest issue that they will now have is holding on to I mean they've got the number two recruiting class in the country right now that's obviously not going to stand pat they will have difficulty keeping these guys committed but as this as this evolves or at least where it is right now are you are you surprised with what Jeremy Pruitt has been able to do at your alma mater uh no no I mean the, one of the things we knew one of the only things we knew about Jeremy Pruitt when he took the job was that he was a really good recruiter like we knew that when he got the gig we had no idea if he could, you know, run an entire program or a $200 million, you know, CEO. That's a different thing altogether. And, and there's still mixed reviews on whether or not he's going to win. I mean, they, they were one in four and he was on the hot seat last year. So they haven't beaten, they've only beaten one team in two years with a winning SEC record. And that was Auburn or that was Kentucky two years ago. So there's still a long way to go. And, and I'm kind of pissed, Buck, because you said we were going to talk about football on the field and and then I was you're, you're asking me about 17 <laughs> year olds and like where they're going to go. And like, I don't care. Like, get, like wake me when the, don't tell me about the labor pains, show me the baby. And uh, let's get to, let's get to signing day. Cause you're right. They're not going to finish number two. There's just no way you, you need. I don't know the exact number off the top of my head, but you need somewhere in the, the 18 to 20 four and five star recruit range to finish one and two. And, and that's not going to be where Tennessee's class is going to be. If I'm Alabama fan, if I'm Georgia fan, I'm not overly worried about recruiting this year with, with Tennessee. It, it takes years to stack talent on top of talent on top of talent before like Georgia is just now starting to catch Alabama as far as talent goes. And it's taken Kirby smart four years to do it. So it takes a long time to catch uh, Nick Saban and, and the machine that he's got rolling right now. So I, I you know, Georgia is the team I'd be, I'd be looking at as far as uh, talent and ability. Tennessee still got two or three more years of this before they can start, claiming that they're anywhere near the upper echelon of the SEC. 
do you fear Georgia at all, Allie? Are you in that phase of yeah, the, the eye roll? Oh my God. <laughs> Go ahead. Georgia obviously has Kirby, which they took from us. They now have Scott Cochran, which they took from us. They're just trying to do what we do, and they're not trying to do it in an original way. Oh. They're just trying to be a carbon copy of Alabama, and it's clearly not working for them when it comes down to championship games. Um, Georgia and Alabama play at home this year, and I will be upset if I don't get to be there because that is going to be insane, um, especially because Scott Cochran was such a huge part of Alabama's football program. I mean, And if I could like, just clarify for the audience, that's the Alabama strength coach that is now going to Georgia like, to be a coach on the field. Incredibly charismatic and just a huge part of, like, the personality of Alabama football. So it'll be interesting to, to see that game, especially this year, and because it's during regular season. Um, that'll be crazy. On, on the field, though, which, which player? Because they've got the, – the machine is still rolling. Like, Nick Saban, uh, there may be a few people, like, getting a little closer to the throne, but he's still sitting atop it. Him and Dabo kind of co-chairing at this point atop college football, and we could talk about Dabo's issues ad nauseum. But which player – because there's a lot of talent left on that offense in particular – a lot of youth that had to that was forced into early playing time on defense last year. Whom who are you most excited to see on the field for the Crimson Tide next year? We get Najee Harris back, so yeah. I think that's huge for us. We did have a couple guys offensively um, that stayed, which I was kind of shocked about. A couple years we just had so many rolling over going to the NFL early so quick. And so I was excited about that. But I do think our quarterback battle with Mac Jones and Bryce Young is going to be interesting too because there's all this Bryce Young hype. Um, he's going to be better than Tua. He's so great. And then we all bought into Mac Jones when Tua got hurt. And I, some people are saying, you know, Bryce will be starting by the Georgia game. So I think that's going to be interesting for us. Is that actually – is that actual buy-in, or are you just going along with the cult? Like, are you are you just saying, okay, Mac Jones is the guy. We must follow Mac Jones. Mac Jones, uh, roll tide. No, I mean, if you look at my Twitter from the Iron Bowl last year, I was going pretty hard for Mac. Okay. Just because he, he stepped into such a huge role. I mean, Tua was at the top of college football, you know, greatest player Alabama's ever had. And then you have to come in when the greatest player ever to a lot of people gets an injury. And he just did it with – complete swag he was just like what's up I'm Matt Jones I'm here and I think he just earned a lot of respect from people for doing that so I think that'll be an interesting little little quarterback battle because to his younger brother left and went to Maryland correct so he's out of for Alabama now uh, and if you want more of those Alabama football takes, you can, of course, follow Allie at Allie Column Music, where she stays feuding with middle-aged and older, it seems, other SEC fans. It's just uh, – it's, it's, why, it's why we love she's her. She's not right? wrong, though. She, no. She's not wrong, though. I, Mac Jones should be the starter. So, I mean, unless – if Bryce Young is – like, if Bryce Young is the starter, you, you do have somebody as good as Tua on your hands, right? Yeah. Like, that's – it's the same thing at Tennessee with Harrison Bailey. It's the same thing with Emory Jones at Florida – these guys all have starting quarterbacks in front of them. And if the guy who's younger is good enough to be the starter, that's a good problem to have. It means that he's that good. Mac Jones threw for over four bills on the road against Auburn. Like, it's not like he's – he's got the best offensive line in America. He got two first-round draft picks at wide receiver still. Jalen Waddle's the most dominant player in space with a football in his hands. 
in the entire country. I, Alabama's going to maul people this year if they play football games. So I'm not, I'm not worried about the quarterback position in Alabama. That's the last thing I'm worried about. Well, where are you worried about the quarterback position in the SEC? Because as you mentioned, Tennessee has an interesting situation. Jarrett Garantano is a, an entrenched starter. Those are typically hard to unseat unless you're someone with the talent level of Harrison Bailey. Now, this whole virtual spring and summer for college football complicates the idea that somebody could take over at, uh, at the, the helm of that, uh, of that team. But that's kind of great. I think for them to take a substantial step, I think that's the one thing that you're really not certain about is that can they get, can they get consistent quarterback play? Not even, not even high-level quarterback play. Can Jarrett Garantano relax and not pull an audible and try to sneak it against Alabama when you have a chance in that game, or at least early? Well, and what's interesting is uh, I had a chance to talk to a bunch of offensive coordinators about how they went about developing their quarterbacks during a pandemic. It's just a totally unique situation. And almost all of them to a, to a person, which I thought was really interesting, said that they, they've taken more mental reps and watched more film than ever before during any spring. So if you kind of envision what that looks like for a player, you're on Zoom all day, you're, you're doing demonstrations, you're, talk, you're watching film, you're watching cut-ups. You know, North Carolina, Phil Longo is, is running Sam Howell through live game reps against NFL defenses. They're all doing really creative stuff. And it means they're all taking way more mental reps. And they might actually be ahead of the game from a mental side of things, which actually could help a player like Jared Garantano, which you would assume as a guy who's played 30 or 40 games has the fundamentals of the position down. He doesn't need to work on the physical stuff like arm slot, like platform, like footwork, eyes, all that stuff. You would assume that a guy who's that old or that, and that, that experienced, the mental reps would actually help him. So I think there's, you know, he's certainly not entrenched. I'd push back on that word. I mean, he was, he was better coming off the bench as like a relief pitcher last year, which is a really strange thing for a quarterback. But he's played more football than anybody else on that team. And he is sort of the, that is sort of the lone position that they're missing. You know, there's some questions in the front seven, but they've got pieces there. Um, the secondary's in good shape. The running back room is really good. The offensive line's one of the best in the league. So if the quarterback position can be consistent, to your point, they can win eight or nine games. Uh, the question is, you know, is it Jared Garantano? Is it Harrison Bailey? And back to what I said earlier, you know, just like what happened with Auburn last year, Joey Gatewood and Bo Nix were supposed to go deep into the season. They're going to compete deep into the season as to who's going to be the starter. You know, from Gus Malzahn's mouth. And then Gus Malzahn names Bo Nix the starter like four days into practice. And it's because Bo Nix is clearly that good. And it's the same thing I'm saying with Bryce Young or Harrison Bailey or any of these other guys. If you've got a guy who's clearly that good, who belongs in the starting lineup, you know it right away, and you just got to throw him out there. And it may mean you lose a game this year, but it means you're going to be better in the long run. So I think Tennessee's actually in a better situation at quarterback than people think. Uh, but it may not be as, you know, in the more traditional sense where you've got an established guy who's just going to make the right decisions. And, you know, they've got a decent room. We don't know what that room looks like quite yet. I would assume going to Oklahoma in week two, you're going to watch Eric Garantano in the starting lineup on the road in Norman, Oklahoma. After that, by the time you get to Florida in week four, you might see Harrison Bailey. Who knows? Uh, so it, it's, it's definitely the question mark, but I don't think it's as big of a concern as Tennessee fans are sort of making it out to be, or maybe the opposing teams are making it out to be. They need some kind of stress in their life, these Tennessee fans. They've had it too good lately. You've had all the positive PR from recruiting. You've had great success because they're the only university finding an additional revenue stream in the midst of a pandemic because they're smart enough to let Barstool come in and brand and market their product 
out there to the Dugs, baby, Dugs. Barstool. Dugs. The the knuckle dragging burgers. All of these things. <laughs> the Barstool Army flocks to whatever merchandise you put out there. Wait, what have you guys been? Because we're gonna talk about Mike Gundy and the stupidity that is taking place elsewhere in the state of Oklahoma. Uh, what what have you made of the Coach Doug's phenomenon? Like, is that something you guys as college football fans, have you paid any attention to that at all? Just from being online and seeing it. And, yes, Barstool, people buy into whatever they put out there. And I was so confused at first. I'm like, who is this guy with the mustache that everyone keeps posting? Yes. I, I had to uh, – at one point, it was the, 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 the night that he was – so the night I got on the Coach Doug's train is when, you know, they were announcing when he was going to change jobs and Texas Tech was playing in the Cotton Bowl, I think. And I had to exp- – it took me like 45 minutes. And my wife is a UT grad who is a sports fan. She loves going to games. She knows all about college football. And I still had to explain why thirty-nine or 40,000 people were watching a-, a Twitch show about a fictional football game that's five years old. Correct. And it's because – Coach Doug's puts up burgers, baby. Like that's what he does, and 50 and so he goes. He goes to Knoxville, of course, takes the job, and then you got like, you've got the, the the to your point, Buck, about like, and Texas Tech did this. Patty Mahomes actually was tweeting about this, like to to sort of buy into it a little bit and play it up and have fun with it and kind of you got to acknowledge that it's sort of a you know it's it's a giant nothing burger really, but like there's nothing else for people to do right now. And Tennessee bought into it and, you know, welcome to Rocky top coach Pruitt puts out a statement. Like it, it's pretty good. It's pretty smart and savvy stuff as far as, Hey, there's nothing else going on right now. Let's get people to, to pay attention because as soon as there's real stuff happening, none of that crap's going to work. Like you can go do electronic horse racing somewhere else. You know, I did a post game show after Doug's failure in the national championship game against Virginia Tech. The team even Butch Jones could conquer. I did a post game show after 126,000 people watched that live. What a life, man. He was losing by 20 for the majority of that game. Losing by 20. Put on a record, seriously. The best. Well, and we could. I, I don't want to. I don't want to spread us too thin because I want to talk a little bit about music too. But I want to make sure that we get the fire-breathing Alley Collins' opinions on Mike Gundy and the stupidity taking place at Oklahoma State. So we will leave the Doug's conversation and pivot to the pain and suffering that Mike got. Or excuse me, pain and discomfort that Mike Gundy is apologizing for in a very, very poorly filmed hostage video put out the second of two hostage videos that Oklahoma State is mandating that he put out, of course, wearing the OAN t-shirt, the One American Network t-shirt that caused great contention with his players, most famously Chuba Hubbard, who is the stud running back for Oklahoma State. You see Mike Gundy all over your digital platforms, Alley, apologizing profusely. Somebody must have gotten to him because it takes a lot to get Mike Gundy to fall in line. But on this particular endeavor he didn't seem like he had much else to say you know I think with everything going on in the world right now first of all we've all been locked up for over three months um there's a lot going on I think as a coach you should be incredibly careful especially when you have I mean there's so many different personalities races everything in a in a locker room and when you're profiting off of those athletes, um, just be incredibly careful with your words. Because I've had this conversation with a lot of people lately. I, I can't 
validate someone else's feelings. Like I, I'm a white girl who's 28 and lives in an apartment in a big city. So if you're, if your feelings are hurt over something someone says about your skin color, I can't take that away from you and say, you know, this is not, you can't be sad about that. Um, so I, I do think, especially if you are in the limelight, like these coaches are, um, you need to be very respectful, very careful. And I've, I've read every single coach who's made a statement, um, listened to or read over and over. And I just, oh, it's just cringe. Just, just cringeworthy. How could you be? Go ahead, Allie. Well, and you know, like an issue happened with Dabo, an issue happened with a couple of other coaches, and it's just, I, I just, ooh. Just stay out of it. If you, if stay you have, it. if you have, well, and maybe you can't stay out of it, right? Because we are constantly, and Braden, Braden's agreeing with the idea that you can't stay out of it because you are responsible. You're the highest, you're the highest paid employee in the state. You're, you what are you like? But like whether you like it or not, and again, I I'm I'm all for coaches and athletes, whatever, using their platform or not. Like that's fine. I, I do. You choose what you want to do with your life. Like that, I'm cool with that. But you have to also understand who you are. And if you're the head coach at Clemson, who's won back-to-back national or two out of three last national championships, you are the most beloved figure in your community. Period. Like period. Whether you like it or not. And so whether you say, hey, I don't think players should get paid. Like that's going to be used against you, whether you like it or not. I mean, if if you think Colin Kaepernick was was you know leave the country when Colin Kaepernick took a knee, like that's going to be used against you on the recruiting trail because you're the most powerful dude in your in your state, in your community, in your conference, whatever. And and Gundy, the problem with Gundy and Dabo, and both very good coaches, is that they have track records of this stuff. That's the problem. Is both of them sort of have like this a little tiny bit of tone deafness when it comes to to these types of things. And yes, you have to be careful. And if you're not confident in what you think, just slow down. Now I have, I have a bigger, I think there's a bigger issue going on with, with, with Chuba Hubbard and Mar- Marvin uh, Wilson down at Florida state calling out his coach as well. J- uh, Mike Norvell, there's a bigger issue at play here than just race relations and injustice and equality and police brutality and all this stuff, which is all obviously incredibly important. There is a player's rights voice conversation that's taking place right now. This is about players finding their own ability to have a platform and a right to say something because right now they have in the last 30 years in college football, you have no right. If you step out of line, you're in deep shit with the coaches. So you, you, this is the first time we've seen players sort of use their platform and their voice. And so it's a bigger conversation. It's not about what network Mike Gundy watches. We all know, you know, most of us know what, what OAN is really doing. And, And if Mike Gundy wants to watch it, who cares? Like let him watch it. But you better understand when you talk to a bunch of 18 to 22 year old black men that they may, they may not see it the same way as you. So, um, and, and for the first time they're getting the ability to put their voice out there. And I think that's the most important thing through all this is with name, image, and likeness coming, the ability to generate revenue on your own through your own talents and abilities that these kids deserve and, and are owed the ability to at least have an opinion outside of the framework of these little feudal dictatorships that these coaches manage and they control all the information. And frankly, I think coaches would be better off if they let players be themselves. Imagine if you're like, Al, you're an Alabama fan. If Nick Saban just let you into the locker room and see all the personalities in the locker room, you'd be a better fan. You'd be more committed to those players because you get to know them more. And instead these coaches put up this wall and they don't let anybody say anything, no personality. And I think it's a major flaw in college football. 
I think I agree to that. You know, I, I went to school at Alabama, so I was lucky enough to be friends with a lot of those guys. And I think if you just listen, and I think a lot of coaches do try to do that, but you're right with the name and likeness and, you know, people getting their own opinions out there, especially with athletes being able to have Twitter and all these other things, a lot is about to change. Um, but ju I think the most important thing is just to listen and then – frame your own opinion and everybody has a right to their own opinion, but whether it's on one side or the other, there are going to be, you know, there's going to be backlash from people either way. Well, it's just a shred of self-awareness. Like Mike, it's not about the t-shirt. It's about what the t-shirt represents. It's not about, right. it's not about what you like to consume in your spare time. It's about your clear inability. And that's writ large in this country, your inability to discern between fact an opinion uh, with things like OAN. That's something that we're all dealing with in the middle of our, our, our social media lives. And to your point about the athletes having this platform in a way that they have legitimate power. I was struck by the way that in that first hostage video with Chuba Hubbard and Mike Gundy, very awkwardly apart, Framed slightly to the left, if they moved it just a little bit over, they could have gotten the Oklahoma, or the Oklahoma State logo in there perfectly. But this, I'm nitpicking. You know, it's just how I am. I look at I look at that in in a case where Chuba Hubbard is apologizing for taking it to Twitter and saying, you know, I should have been a man about this. I should have handled it in, ha in house. I should have approached him like a man. No, 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 buddy. You have the ability to handle this on your terms. You can make it public you want to go about making it public. It's just for so long that's been discouraged in football locker rooms and in football's football's kind of, that's just the headspace that football as a sport operates in. That you have to keep these things in house and that, that it's not, it, it, it somehow makes you less of a man to draw attention to what is clearly considered by the vast majority of us a problem with somebody who's one of the highest paid employees in the state being this ill-informed or this tone deaf about the time that we are currently in. I don't think anything can <laughs> <laughs> Just listen, if you can, I, if I nailed the dismount, you can tell me I nailed the dismount. It's okay to give me a little love every once in a while, Brayden. You nope. did. <laughs> Allie Column, you can follow her at Allie Column Music, the single Before You Hate that Town is available on all of your music streaming platforms. Make sure you check our girl out. She's out here crushing it, releasing music in the midst of a global pandemic. What's that like, by the way? How the hell is that going? Um, honestly, I'm, I'm pretty upset that I missed my release party because yeah. I do love a party. Um, I had it all planned, but I went back and forth about releasing it during the pandemic. And I was like, you know what? Nobody has anything else to do right now than listen to music. So we're releasing it. Um, I did it totally independent. Um, I'm not with the label, so it's done really, really well for that. I've been really pleased. And we wrote my second single today that will hopefully be out mid-August. So it's been, it's been fun. It's been weird. Zoom rights or Zoom everything is weird, you know, Zoom rights, Zoom podcast, all of it. Um, but I did get to do a lot of radio work. Uh, so that was fun, but we'll see. Yeah. Well, mid-August is when you can check that out. Braden Gall, Athlon Sports, Sirius XM Radio, ESPN Radio, when the occasion calls for it. You can follow him on Twitter, at Braden Gall. Buddy, you have any parting shots, parting thoughts to leave the good people with on your most recent uh, appearance? Oh, man. Indy's the way to go. Way to go, Allie. I, 
stay, stay true to the art and don't let anybody tell you what to do. Um, go full Sturgill on them every single time. I, I just, uh, I, I don't I, let I, anybody I tell what to do. <laughs> I, I love that. So, uh, yeah, check, buy the magazine, of course, athlonsports.com is the website. Um, we, we, you know, a lot of men and women work really hard to put that together for everybody out there and go get you some reading material for the next couple of weeks. So while you're listening to some music, why don't you grab a magazine too? athlonsports.com. That's all you got to do. Allie Collum and Braden Gall, kind enough to give us some of their time on the 615 sessions. All right, five good minutes on this Thursday for you. And a quick reminder, as a matter of fact, on the way out the door, I'm actually not going to be here (laughs) for the next couple of weeks. I'm going on vacation. It is time for me to take a little break now that the NFL has taken its summer vacation. Your boy is going to be MIA. For the next two weeks, at least, we will have a hiatus on the primetime show. We will have Austin and Zach continue in the mornings. We will stagger our time off between myself and the guys, so you will not miss out on content. I thought about having somebody come in here and co or just host the podcast in my absence, but I, you know, this is this is your this is our thing. This is our thing. This is our delicate, fragile ecosystem, and I felt like that would cheapen it a little bit. So for the next couple of weeks, there will be no 615 Sessions podcast. But don't worry, we'll be back to talk about everything going on in sports with you upon my return. So now it's time for five good minutes about whenever sports returns. And on this particular Thursday, we're talking about (laughs) Tony Fauci, Dr. Anthony Fauci, said today to CNN about the NFL and about the idea that the 2020 NFL season cannot be played, or should not be played, rather, unless it takes place in an NBA-like bubble. Now, this is the interesting... This is where things get complicated. Because Fauci said today on CNN that they need to emulate the plans by the NBA and professional soccer for this bubble format, or straight up consider not playing in 2020 because of COVID-19. Now, if you don't know, and you should know, God help me if you don't know, that Dr. Fauci is the director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, a key member, of course, of the White House Coronavirus Task Force. He was talking to CNN on Thursday about the idea that football players would need to be isolated from others, they would need to be tested regularly, unless players and coaches are essentially in a bubble, and media, by the way, this includes us vultures too, this would be very hard for him, Tony Fauci, in his professional opinion, to imagine football being played. Because Dr. Anthony Fauci is still considering this second wave. And what what I am looking at this, I'm looking at my colleagues in pro basketball and pro soccer, and I'm seeing that as media... They are being asked to quarantine along with the teams and the leagues that they cover. And the idea that I would be asked, and this is all preliminary, and this is all speculative, and this is all speculation-driven at this point, because football is still planning on the season season opener taking place on September 10th. You have the Chiefs, you have the Texans. That will be the first game of this NFL season, and right now the NFL is moving forward full steam ahead. But... I honestly don't know how I would feel about covering an NFL season should they ask me to quarantine 
with the team that I cover in the bubble where all of these things, I imagine, they would like to take place. I don't know if that would be in Orlando, if it would be in someplace else. I imagine Florida would be the place because Florida's a clown show and they've made professional wrestling an essential business to allow them to continue their goings-on. That's why the NBA is holding this at Disney, this playoff bubble format that Fauci is talking about. I don't know. I don't think I would be okay with shipping off to Orlando or some other remote location in Florida to be quarantined from my friends, family, and loved ones for a full NFL season, which would be four months, not including the playoffs and the expanded playoffs would probably complicate all of this. I don't know how this is done. I don't know how this is pulled off, but Dr. Fauci is saying that he doesn't know if football is, if this is possible for football to happen. This is a quote from Anthony Fauci to CNN. If there is a second wave, which is certainly a possibility and which would be complicated by the predictable flu season, football may not happen this year. End quote. That has been a position that Tony Fauci has been steadfast on throughout the course of this whole thing. And I know that you guys are so tired of fear porn and so tired of the trafficking that media is doing in fear and disaster and outrage and shock and all of these things that circulate around the coronavirus and frankly everything that's happening in our country right now. And we don't know what the hell is what the hell September is going to look like. But we do know that as we discussed on the primetime show on Wednesday night, that the first college football game of the season, not the first college football game to be played, but the first college football game of 2020 to be canceled has already happened. That's the Southern Heritage Bowl played in Memphis between Tennessee State, of course a local team here to us in Nashville, and Jacksonville State. That's a game that's been played for 31 years. It's going to be played on September 12th, or it was going to be played on September 12th, and the people responsible for organizing that game between two historically black colleges, a game that has significant history associated with it, they said, nah, it's it's not worth it. Shelby County, where Memphis is, saw a massive increase over the past three days in COVID-19 cases, and they're saying at this point, two or three months ahead of time, that it's not worth it to us to try and pull this thing off. We just, we don't, we, we're either, we don't have the capabilities to do it safely, and because we don't have those capabilities we will not move forward thusly. And, I mean, we're still a long way from the NFL season, or at least it feels like it, but it's almost the end of June. And I don't know how this all plays out, but I know damn sure that if I have to get sent to a bubble in Orlando to cover a Tennessee Titans season, or if I, if I am presented with the option to do so, I don't know how I'm going to feel about that. I don't know how many of my media colleagues would feel about that either. But we got a couple months to figure it out. Or at least a couple of weeks. God help us. <laughs> or somebody help us. I don't know who can help us at this point. But I know that Tony Fauci is not optimistic about the state of the NFL season at this particular point. Not, not to mention college. But that's five good minutes on this Thursday. The last five good minutes that I will leave you with for the next two weeks as we go on our vacation here on the 615 Sessions. I hope you guys enjoy our time apart, I hope that you will continue to follow along with all of A to Z sports coverage. Just because I am not here for you does not mean we will not have great content being produced. The Tighten Up podcast in that very same A to Z sports podcast network feed, as long as the big, as well as the Big Orange podcast, they will both be available to you 
Even in my absence, Austin and Zach will continue to do their damn thing in the mornings, 8 a.m. Central Time, Monday through Friday, on this very same A to Z Sports streaming network. But I'm going to miss you guys. I'm going to enjoy our time away. I'm going to come back refreshed and ready to talk, and hopefully we will have some clarity about football and live sports. Hopefully we will know something about baseball, for God's sakes. The NHL, the MLS, trying to move forward with their respective seasons, one having already started and the other one not being able to get off the ground in the case of professional baseball. Just completely and utter disgraceful, but we've already talked enough about that this week. Hopefully, by the time we next speak, things will be different, and things will be different for the better of all of our situations, whether that be societally or whether that just be within the sports realm. We need a little positive. We need some kind of positive here in the next couple weeks. Hopefully, we progress in that direction before the next time that I speak to you. So, in the meantime, I need you to stay safe. I need you to stay clean, and I need you to stay hot, Nashville. This has been the 615 Sessions Podcast Powered by Tennessee Tickets. Brought to you as always by A to Z Sports and A to Z Sports Nashville.com.